I'm pretty excited you're here today. If you've got your Bibles and want to turn there, please turn to the Sermon on the Mount. We're actually doing something that's called the Lord's Prayer today, but really it's the Disciples' Prayer. And it's, it's a really important piece of Scripture for us to look at. We're in the midst of what I think is the most important sermon of our time. I don't mean mine, of course. I mean Jesus coming up on the Sermon on the Mount, specifically saying, I'm sitting in the seat of Moses. You know, that great time when God actually came down to the people of God and he gave them instructions on his, their relationship with him, their covenant obedience for him. And Israel was born, God's nation. And through all of the Old Testament and, and the intertestamental period, and now Jesus has come, fully God, fully man. And he goes up on the mountain, the mount there, and he sits down, and he gathers the people to him. And he tells them about their relationship with God. I mean, we're bombarded all the time with images, with different ways that people want to show movies and, and be interesting TV shows and all the things. And, and sometimes we miss the, the depth of importance of what God is actually telling you and me. And he did it in this sermon where Jesus comes and, and speaks. And, and we've been going through it, you know. We, how then shall we live as a Christian is very much a theme of what's going on in this sermon. And we've been seeing it's by trusting him, who he is, not, not trying to live by pleasing him or law-keeping, because what Jesus has done is raise the law so high that no one can get over it, except himself, of course. And so we get crushed by this weight, and that's actually what we're supposed to be because God is pleased, loves to give the kingdom to the spiritually bankrupt. And that's us. And that's been the message that we've been looking at. God is merciful. He is kind. He is a peacemaker. He is all these amazing things. Look at our God. And then Jesus, even as we looked the last couple of weeks, he's saying, hey, as you do these things, these things you think are righteous, you know there's a thread in them where you do it for reputation. And there's no such thing as salvation by reputation. It's just what God sees all the time of you. It's like being constantly in an x-ray machine. It makes me uncomfortable. Because I kind of think most of the time I'm going to do stuff that, you know, I'm, is for God, and then I'll have a little time for me, you know. <laughs> Saying all the time in every way God is with you and then right in the middle as he's saying that as he's sort of taking down our motives for giving and for praying and for fasting he stops and we skipped it last week we're going to it today and he says if you're going to pray pray like this wow that's what we're going to look at today God in Christ sitting, saying, if you're going to pray, pray like this. And you well, I, how should I pray? Talk about intensely practical. Like this is a huge subsection of how shall we live because we should pray, right? I mean, pray without ceasing. Prayer is a conversation with God. Prayer is a, one of the things we do. It, it's our interaction. And I'll tell you what, for many of us, this is a struggle. Why? Well... 
define how we're to do it, to, to understand why. You see, if God already knows everything, and that's what Jesus is right in the middle of saying, your father who sees in secret and who knows everything you need already, and, and then Jesus says, oh, and when you pray, well, why? He already knows. He's not going to do what he's going to do based on me, is he? Even if he was, he already knows my heart before I say a word. Why say the word? Are we just jumping through unnecessary hoops? So a lot of people get all strange about prayer because on the one hand, why pray at all? On the other hand, we need more. Like we should have 24-hour prayer if we pray enough or with the right words or with enough people. Like somehow there's this threshold that if God, God's waiting for us to get over the threshold and then he'll act. So, so I want to make it clear. First, prayer is amazing and wonderful. You should pray all the time. And prayer is never you convincing God of anything. He already knows. It's, it's, it's talking with your dad, and you need it, and he loves it because he loves you. And so right here, Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer, however you want to call it, is the ground we're going to stand on, what we're doing when we pray. And um, in all honesty, I, I took a bunch of polls this week. I went around to a lot of people ask them what they knew. I, I feel like almost nobody is willing to actually think about the context Jesus is speaking of in this prayer. So I want to challenge you with that to start. And, and this is how I'm going to do it. I, I want to make sure that you see the context uh, in, in pray like this. And just, we're going to go slow through these verses this morning. So not a lot of men read great paragraphs. I want you to think through with me what's going on when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, says, pray like this, because, because he does. The, the very first thing he says is, pray then like this. That's verse 9. Pray then like this, and then he does this prayer. You probably even know it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know this, right? You probably memorized it as a kid. When Jesus says that, though, when Jesus has gathered Israel around him, when Jesus says, okay, pray like this, you guys, I have a question. How are they praying already? I mean, it's worth thinking about. How were they praying already? Say, well, I know how they were praying. They were speaking babbling on the corners, and they were speaking. No, no, I don't mean, I don't mean um, what he's already considered. I mean, what was their normal practice of the people that he gathered in Israel to say, do you, you, you know that they prayed regularly? What did they pray? Well, there are 18 benedictions. and No, there's two main prayers they prayed every day. One of them was directly from the law. That should make a flag go up in your, in your, because we're talking about Jesus interpreting the law. We're talking about how God relates to people. And the Jews, for a thousand years, had prayed a prayer in the morning and a prayer at night. Do you know what that prayer was? Well, no, that was a long time ago. You should. Because it sets the context. When Jesus says, pray like this, he's contrasting it to how they prayed. How did they pray? Have you heard of the Shema? Most of us have. We said we heard of the Shema because it's a, here, I'll, I'll put it up. I kind of gave the game away already. I put it on the screen, but here it is. You've heard of it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, it's all capitals because it's Yahweh. You're saying the name of Yahweh. Yahweh, our God, the Yahweh is one. 
Shema is, is the first word of that. It's hero Israel. It means listen. It means listen and obey. It wasn't just, just like, oh, here. Like, oh, yeah, there's a voice. No. It's like, listen and obey. Yahweh our God, he's one. You shall love Yahweh your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. This is, this is them, and, and just think what they're doing. They're pledging every day, twice a day. What are they pledging? I acknowledge Yahweh God, and I will obey him. I will love him with my heart. That's all that I am, my mind, my thinking, my center. I, I, will, I will, with all my soul, that's your physical body. That's, that's with everything that you are. And then, and then really that's might is not just your strength, like lifting weights or something. That's like in every conceivable way in my muchness, I will love this God. So what are they praying twice a day? Lord, I'm pledging myself to you. In the morning, they live their day, and at night. you got to get that frame. If now you're going to come in, when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, sits on the mountain and says, come, gather, and let me talk to you, and he says, hey, pray like this. Right? Because, because for the one thing, he says, pray like this, and the first words out of his mouth is what? Yahweh? No. Our Father. It's so amazing that you're going to be calling God Father, right? Incredible. It, it changes everything that you're going to do there for sure. Pray like this, our Father in heaven. And then there's these three praises and three requests, and you're done. It's super short prayer. It's striking, and the most striking thing is there's no promise in it at all on your part. There's not a single word of, Lord, I'm going to do this for you. There's a possible exception. We'll look at it. It's a prayer of total humility to their own action, total dependence as to what's going to happen. And this becomes what prayer is now, not us promising God. You know what? I did this so much. We don't get this naturally. I know this because I know I grew up. I'm sure you did too. Didn't you ever take a test? Oh, Lord, if you just get me through this test, I will give all the glory to you. I will tell everybody that you did it, not me. Make a little bargain with God because I was so certain, you know, if he, I knew he could help me. If he would just help me, I would make sure everybody knew it wasn't me. Kind of forgot that afterwards. But I made it through the test. Praise God, he did it. I'm telling you now, <laughs> maybe I can make it up. <laughs> We make these things in our head about how we're going to serve him, what we're going to do for him, if he'll just do something for me. It's like this bargain kind of stuff. And Jesus just takes it off the table. There's not a word about it. He just says, Dad, who does everything, him for me. And these these two sections, so let's go through them and then let's talk about what it means. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So he just starts out with that hallowedness, right? And then <laughs> hallowed. You get to say father. 
and say, okay, Dad, Jesus is going to teach me how to pray. We're in this school of discipleship for Jesus. Pray like this. You say father to God. So he's going to be your dad. You're in his family. He's talking to people in his family. And then these three things that he says, I, I got to break it down more. So let, let's do that better. So the first thing is about what God is. And we pray you are, and he already is these things, but we're to pray them. Okay. That's the thing. I'm really, my sides are really messing up today. It just blew it. So I pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's the three statements, right? So hallowed be your name. So you stand and pray and say, okay, okay, Lord, hallowed be your name. I don't even know what that means. What is hallowed? Is that like the marrow? No, it just means holy. Lord, holy be your name. By the way, that, that the, the holy be, it's, it's not... It's not you doing it. It's like, Lord, I will make your name holy. No, 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 that's nowhere in there. It's an acknowledgement, right, of what already is. Lord, your name be holy. Consecrated. Amazing. Sitting down and saying, as I pray, Lord, it's, it really is about you. You are so amazingly other than me. That's the first thing. And, and then he says, your kingdom come, Jesus says to pray. Yet not my kingdom. Your will be done, not my will. So you come and say, okay, I'm going to pray to God today. Jesus is teaching me. And he says, God, you pray. God, you're so other. And it's your kingdom to come. And it's your will to be done. This is already the truth. You're not praying something to make it happen. His name is holy. His kingdom will come. And in fact, Jesus the king is standing there telling us what to do. And he is the kingdom. And, and, and then you've got your will be done. Like it's not going to be. Let me ask you a question. What can thwart the will of God? Well, I can if I don't pray. <laughs> no, that's not true. And Jesus even finishes there, right? And he says, on earth as it is in heaven. Like, like, think about heaven for a minute. God in heaven. He speaks and it happens. He, his will is done in a moment. His kingdom is, is unchallenged. There is no challenge to the kingdom of God in heaven. He says, hey, on earth, may it be the same way. Of course, God does whatever he wants. What's going on? Here's the thing. Jesus, who is the king, says nothing stops God at all. There's nothing you can do to enable it. There's no, well, I hope you will do this now, God. But we're supposed to pray this when we pray. Why? Because it puts us in the truth of what God does, of who he is. He's not after our name to be holy or our kingdom to come or our will to be done. But we speak to his How did we start the Sermon on the Mount? It started with Jesus saying, how blessed is the person who's got nothing? Because it's the Father's pleasure to give him the kingdom. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What happens in the kingdom of heaven? God's will. What's God's will? 
giving the kingdom people have nothing. What are we saying? We've got nothing. And I come to God and, and I'm in this conversation with God. And if I'm going to be in a conversation with him, it's that he's everything and I'm nothing. His name is hallowed. His kingdom comes. His will is done. It's not a promise for you to go do his will. It would say something totally different, right? Lord, may I do your will today. That could be there in the text easily. It could be, Lord, may I build your kingdom for you. That could be in the text easily. It's not there. Stop it already. These guys are coming and say, you know what? What you need to do is be building the kingdom of God. And, and, and that's what Jesus is praying for. No, he's not. He's bowing down and saying, God, act. Because that's who God is, right? That's going to, the whole message of the Sermon on the Mount is, is, is that God actually does what he wants. And he loves you. It's amazing. That, that's what floods your whole life. That's what your life is about, is this God who is this way. So, so let's, let's keep going and make sure we see. It's, it's not just you are because God is these things, right? And he, he, he is the one whose will is done. He is the one whose kingdom come. He does have a name that's holy. It's also that um, we do have needs and he does fulfill them. Okay, keep going. I, this one's there. There it is. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Okay, just like three statements of who God is. He's <laughs> these things. It's what he, now three statements of requesting needs, right? Three things that we ask for, not that we do. And we ask God our Father to do. First, give us this day our daily bread. This is a really interesting statement, you guys. Because a lot of people say, okay, well, yeah, pray that God will give me, give me breakfast. Says the person who has enough money to eat breakfast every day for the rest of their life. So we kind of think we don't really need to ask God this. Or we kind of think what's going on is God saying, hey, when you eat a meal, um, say thank you. That, that's not what this is saying. Because the word there's only here in the New Testament. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a very unusual word. Nowhere else. And it doesn't mean daily. The word, if you're going to be closer, it would be tomorrow's. In fact, in your ESV, you might see a little mark that says, or tomorrow's bread. Because even the translators know, wow, that's not really the best translation of that word, but we know it all so well. Give us this day our daily bread. It's like I've known it since I was a little kid. But the actual word is tomorrow. Give us this day tomorrow's bread. Well, that's kind of weird. Why are we praying that every day? It is absolutely critical for you. Why? Can I, let me tell the story. You know the story. You talk about the story. You, you know the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And they were headed to Mount Sinai. And they're um, hungry. And they started complaining. And so God, what did God do? Remember what he did? He, he said, okay, I'm, I'm going to provide bread for you. And it rained out of heaven. In the morning, they would go, and it was called manna, which literally means, what is it? <laughs> it's so weird. It was like crystallized bread. It was kind of sweet like honey. And it was so amazing. And, and, and God told him, only take for today. 
and a whole bunch of them, we don't know exactly how many, they were like, yeah, whatever, and they gathered as much as they could, right, and they stored that stuff away, and so the Bible says in the next morning, the whole camp smelled like maggots, because it all rotted, because God was going to provide for him again that day. And he said, you take for this day. I provided for you this day. And, and so, so what was their fear? Their fear was, look at the great bounty God gave me. I bet he won't do it again. I better hoard this up. Because I'm afraid that tomorrow might not be provided for for me. So I will provide for myself. And, and so what Jesus does, he knows that story. He knows the people. They know that story. And he says, well, well, no, I provided for them. I know. I know that they got an extra dose on Friday so they could have Saturday without me. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about every single day. What do you fear? I am anxious. What am I anxious about? Tomorrow. Everybody in this room. What's God going to do? Guess what? You have no power over it. You can't make a hair of your head grow. I don't know if you'll get hit by a car. Sorry. You might have a heart attack. Someone you love might die. You don't know what's coming tomorrow. And so Jesus says, you should pray, you know. And as you pray, you pray to the God whose will is done because he adores you. His name is holy. His kingdom is coming. And you say first, you say, Lord, please provide for me for more tomorrow. Because <laughs> that's my fear. I so often don't. I'm pretty set for today. I had my Cheerios this morning. Actually, I like grape nuts. I had my coffee. That's good. Set to go. Thanks, Lord. You say, thank you. That, thank you for today. No, no, but you know what? You're a hoarder. You're, you're worried about tomorrow, and you shouldn't. You should say, man, make this your practice, Jesus says, because it's just the truth, Lord. I'm trusting you for tomorrow. I don't care how much money you have right now. I don't care how much resources you already have. I don't care about any of that. You know, it can go away in a heartbeat. We all have this need. So there it is. Give us this day. Our daily bread is actually this huge, deep, amazing request that covers a ton and hits exactly where your worst need is, our worry. Jesus will have more to say about this. Daily, we ask God that he'll show up tomorrow, I, I, and, and I need that. I need God to show up tomorrow for me. So do you. Okay, that's the first. And then here's the second piece. And forgive us our debts, the second request. Debts, you know, sounds like money, but you, you know it's bigger. You know it's trespasses, right? So forgive us our trespasses as we forgive in ours. So so immediately we think, oh, oh, we, there's something to do. No, don't go there. Yet. First look at the actual request. Oh, Father in heaven who is hallowed and your will is happening and your kingdom is coming, that you would forgive me my trespasses. You would forgive us our trespasses. You are a great God, and this is our primary need. I, I'm so worried about tomorrow. Please give me what I need provisionally. But let me say, oh, Father, you would pardon me. Because I keep on sinning. I need this. Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Well, do I need forgiveness over and over? No. But a healthy realization of your sin and its pardon is fabulous for you. It's one of the worst things we do. We start saying, well, I was a sinner, but I am no more. <laughs> you aren't anymore? How's that working out for you? It doesn't. 
You keep sinning, but you're forgiven. And the whole message is, is that it's not about improvement. It's about forgiveness. And here's Jesus who's going to go to the cross and forgive all of our sins. He says, when you pray, ask for that because it's the greatest gift you'll ever have. And you experience it all the time because you never stop sinning. I hate it. I don't want to. I'm not saying, oh, yeah, boy, we don't look. We're proud. We're going to wave our flag of sin. No, I hate that I sin, but I do. And what do I need to do? Walk in the light, which is confessing that I'm nothing, but hallowed is the name of God. And his will has happened. You know what his will is? To forgive me my sin. (laughs) Fabulous. Please forgive us. This is our incredible trust that our sins are are covered. You can't hurdle the law. You can't. And so it condemns you. Me too. So my hope is in forgiveness. And Jesus says, that's what you get. It's not improvement. It's for everyone. This is my prayer because this is my need. This is what we can't do ourselves. We cannot forgive our sins against God. But then realizing that my father's forgiven me, right? As we've forgiven our debtors, we've come into this. Jesus is saying in this prayer as you pray, it's more than just like this personal look. Lord, please make me clean. And my No, you've entered into this amazing community of the forgiven. It becomes what your life is about. You know, you're in a community of people who are all forgiven. That means the person who trespassed against you is forgiven. I actually hate that. I would, I would so much rather, I don't know if you're the same as me, I would so much rather that I receive forgiveness and other people receive justice. Particularly as it pertains to me. Everybody else should do what's fair for me, and I should get mercy because you know my story is, of course, I've got this terrible background that I've got to, uh, oh, I don't really, but maybe I can make something up because, because I want mercy for me and judgment for you. And God's like, no, you've actually come into this, you're praying this, that you've come into this community of the forgiven. Okay. One more, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some people put this in as two requests. I think it's one. It's connected together. It says, please, Father, I'm blind. You lead me. Please don't lead me into wrongness. Deliver me from evil. There is evil, and some translations even say the evil one, like there's something out there to get you. And the one who can protect you is the Lord, your Father. He leads you. It's one of the main deals, right? My willpower and my ability, uh, my power is simply not adequate. It's one of the main themes in this whole sermon. You spiritually bankrupt one. You can't hurdle the law. You get crushed. You do things and only God sees. Only God should see, but I want other people to see because I want people to see me as good and strong. And Jesus just crushes that in me. And so I'm sitting there going, Lord, I am nothing. I'm in a bunch of other people that are nothing. And yet we're loved by you and you forgive us. And then you lead us. Please lead me the right way, Lord. I can't see well. You know, in my vision, I'm going to start building things for Dax. Dax and God. And, and we'll make it strong together and we'll build this amazing kingdom together, God. You and me, you can use me and I'll say you're awesome. And then God has, you know, like me get stricken and people think I'm a sinner and 
life doesn't go like I think it should, and all of a sudden, maybe God doesn't even like me. It's so wrong. How do you even know what God's doing? How do you even know what God sees in your heart? And, and so, you, so this prayer becomes so important and critical to actually what we need. I need you to lead me, Lord. And having prayed that, to trust that he does. He's leading me away from the evil one. But I fell into sin. You're forgiven. You're, you're, you're covered by the blood of Christ. And then not just that, but he's leading you. He leads you. He said, well, yeah, but, but I don't really follow very well. You think he can't get you to follow? All of a sudden, we've reduced God from the king of the mighty universe high above heaven to somebody who I'm going to argue with and fight and be able to overcome. Jacob tried that. It didn't go very well. The reality is God does what he wants. And here we are praying. This prayer, Jesus says, this is how you pray. You pray, Lord, please lead me. And, and as you're praying that, you're trusting that that's what he's doing, right? Because he's got all the power. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Hallowed be your name. And Lord, oh, Father that I trust, lead me. And he leads you into some, you know, like halfway job at McDonald's. And you're like, that's not God leading me. How do you know? Well, I didn't want that. Your will be done. Well, bleh. I don't know. I don't care. I'm just mad. That's where we go. I mean, that's, that's, that's the sum of the argument, right? Because we can't actually say, we have no idea. If the idea is you're blind and you prayed, Lord, lead me, and then you end up somewhere, what, what, either you're believing he didn't lead you or he couldn't or something else happened to prevent him from getting you where he, you, you asked him to get you. Do you believe in a sovereign God? Do you believe in a powerful God? Do you believe in a God who loves you? And the answer is yes to all three. What are you doing, even questioning, where you end up? I know, I get it. That's how it works. Because you can end up in some pretty crazy places. But the reality is, this is the prayer that Jesus gives to us. He doesn't give a prayer. He says, pray this. Lord, make me mighty. Make me valuable. Make me more useful. Make me more. He, he, he doesn't pray. That, that's not in the prayer. This is the prayer. This is the main one. Not You can't pray other things. Jesus prayed other things. He went up on the mountain to pray. He didn't just recite this, this you know, disciples prayer over and over. Like it was magic. He's already said, don't just repeat stuff. But the reality is when you talk about what prayer is. Now we're getting somewhere. Okay, just a word before we, before, before let me close out the section with, and we'll talk about what it means a little bit more. For if you forgive others their trespasses, verse 14, your heavenly Father will also forgive you, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is an explanatory statement that Jesus gives in the middle of saying pray like this because he gave one line that says something you're to do. What's that? Forgive other people. And then he just makes sure you know it's important. Man, if you don't forgive other people, you're not forgiven, right? All of a sudden, the whole thing is about to come toppling down on my head because now it's about how well do I forgive people? 
that would go against all the flavor of what he's just had you pray. So what does he mean? What's going on? How is he talking about this? How important it is to forgive her? Look, if you don't understand forgiveness, then you don't understand what Jesus is talking about. If you don't forgive, you're not accepting the incredible forgiveness of God that leads him to actually have a relationship with you. You could call Christianity the forgiveness of Christ. That's a definition for Christianity. Will you receive it? The gospel. Like, no, I won't receive the gospel. I just want to go to heaven. Well, that's what heaven is. That your sins are forgiven. Yours and everyone's that's going to be in heaven. You can't have somebody in heaven that says, well, you know, my sins are forgiven, but theirs weren't. Why are they here? Well, there's, you're in the same boat they are. So, so he's talking about something super reasonable, which is you might understand you're all in the same boat. There's a us-ness to this that's not an individualisticness to this that says this is where we are, right? The kingdom of heaven is given. That means forgiveness flows. You and I receive that, and we have a relationship with the holy God of heaven. Do you see how much we've been forgiven? You never stop, not even for a second, to forgive away. I mean, that's the point of the prayers in Luke 18. Let me see if it comes. You know the two guys that went up and one guy prays. Doesn't announce. He prays. Lord, thank you for making me good, making me better than that person over there. And then the other guy comes up and just beats his chest and says, Lord, have mercy on me. And Jesus is like, well, you know, the second guy goes away actually justified. The first guy didn't. Why? Because he thinks he's better than other people somehow. And it's not just about forgiveness. Mercy. Your life is about forgiveness. That's the center point of prayer. I'm forgiven. Okay. Let's, let's take a step with this. Just, just, just one step. Before we go there. People use prayer. To get things from God. Is that a fair statement? That's what we want. But. And, and they'll even say. Things like. You, you know you. You don't have because you don't ask. And, and they'll point to. They'll point to Luke 18. Remember the Luke 18 the story. Where you get like. The widow and she goes to the judge. And he's sleeping. He's like who is this person. Give me a, but because of her persistent knocking he finally goes whatever and he goes out and gives her what she wants because she's like a person you do know the point of that story is god is not like that (laughs) and say how many people think that's what god's like i gotta keep knocking i gotta keep hitting i gotta keep going because maybe god will answer me and 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 so therefore the whole thing becomes how much did you pray how desperate are you and so there's whole theologies even in town i listened to a sermon last week man if you're desperate enough god will give it to you are you crazy The whole Sermon on the Mount is he already knows exactly what you need, and he knows what you're going to ask. He wants you to, like, put on a show. He's not like that judge. He already loves you and knows you, and and will he not quickly answer his elect? It just isn't the answer I want. I get that. But we've left the prayer then. People sometimes see prayer as an activity that's sort of our part. But, But the actual prayer is that it's all you, God. 
You do realize, Lord, hallowed be your name. It's already hallowed. Lord, your kingdom come. You will make it so. Lord, your will be done. Who's going to make his will be done? Not me. And then, Lord, please provide for me tomorrow. Lord, please forgive me. Lord, please lead me out of evil. This is all like things God's doing. And then you're like, well, my part is to ask him. He already knows what you need before you ask. It's not about that, right? People sometimes think prayer is sort of more than just a conversation with God, like they're convincing him of something. He already knows you. People say, I I saw this this week, you are a part of the answer to every prayer you pray. What a condemning, horrible thought. (laughs) The opposite is true. You are literally not a part of the answer. You are the receiver of the gift of God who loves you. It's, it's a conversation, right? So it's absolutely wonderful that you want to say, okay, Lord, I want to share my heart with you because I know you enjoy it. You're my dad. I'm acknowledging that. I'm humbling myself. I, even for me, thinking through it, it's okay to be, man, there I am. But, but to think that God doesn't already know or that somehow the reason for the prayer is to get you to act, you don't need God for that. Just call it a self-help, self-help, like, mechanism we just don't want to believe he's with these with us and for us every moment so we engage in prayer like it's a role play and we're in the middle of doing this in secret of uh, that's that's the whole context right do this in secret don't let anyone see you do this in secret don't let anyone see you do this in secret don't let anyone see you and then all of a sudden it's like we abandon that Don't be like the people who have crazy repetition, Jesus says, because your father already knows what you need before you ask him. That's verse 8. And we take that to mean we already knows, right? And they say, but he won't give it to you unless you ask. Well, you don't ask, you don't have because you don't ask. And we take that out of context, that desperate idea. We bring in that, that, that nagging widow, like we just talked about it. We think that's, that's our idea of prayer? Like God is holding back? Waiting for you in order to bless you like, like you're a dog to be trained with a treat? That's not my father. It's not your father. He adores you. He has the best for you. It is not what you think the best is. I'll say that. You sit here this morning... And you think, I know what I want from God. But you know what? He knows you and what you need exactly. And he will love you to the end. And he will use you like you don't even know. And you will get to heaven and discover all the ways he did stuff for you. And you'll be shocked. Real shock and awe. Because the Father is real. God's not like some cranky judge. He gives to his people freely. He loves them and is for them. He doesn't have to be convinced or bothered. He doesn't need proof of your desire or heart. He already knows. He's the one who loves you more than anything. You know, I know my wife knows me. I share stuff with her anyway. She could probably predict what I'm going to say after service today. Man, I wish I would have said that better. Right? She knows. But I'm still going to say it. Why? Because it's part of the interaction that I have. And prayers like that, you know. Agreeing with who he is. 
Reason to pray is because it's the truth of your situation, what you need. You're speaking it out. You're giving, speaking out your trust of his action for you. He whose holiness is real. He whose kingdom is real. He whose will is done. He provides for us. He forgives us. He delivers us. We keep on that theme. That's the prayer. And, and, and then you've prayed for God to act. And he will, won't he? His name is holy. His kingdom would come. It does come. You don't build it. His will would be done. It is done. We don't stop it any more than we stop the sunrise. Prayers agreeing with who he is and then asking for what he loves to do, to give you what you need. He's always with you. He never leaves you or forsake you. He's with you. So we ask this because it's truly what we need to be provided for for tomorrow that we can't control. But God knows to be forgiven all our sin that I don't deserve, but he does do it. To be led because I'm so blind. I'm I'm such a sheep and he knows exactly where I should be and to protect me from evil ones that are more powerful than me that I don't even realize. Jesus gives this prayer to us because it breaks the mold that we want prayer to be. We want it to be a bargain. We want it to be, I will do this if you will do that, and it isn't. It doesn't need to be listing out every perceived need you can come out with. He already knows. You can. It's not wrong, but he already knows. You don't have to tell him what he should do. He's already doing it. He's asking truly that you submit yourself to knowing that you trust him. Even if your eyes lie, even if your heart goes astray, you come back and you say, you know what, Lord, I trust you. I trust your name, your kingdom, your will, not mine. I ask for you to provide, to forgive, to deliver, not me. I'm nothing, but I know, Father, I am much in your eyes because of Jesus. And I will trust now and forever in that truth. This is my prayer. Would you do this every day? Not to get, but but because it's the truth of a God who's at work for you and me right this moment. So so this is what I want to do before we before we end. I want to pray this prayer with you. So would you would you not have to bow because you might need to read it? It's okay. But may it be true, and may we actually believe this thing that we pray, not as rote, not as special words or magic words, but the truth of God for us. Jesus Christ, our Savior, said, you want to pray? Pray like this. So would you pray with me? Let's pray all together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amazing. Would you now bow with me? Let's pray one more time. Lord, we don't need to say anything else, I know. But we are so amazed at what you do for us. Thank you. Help us, Father, to see the wonder of you being our dad, to see the amazing truth that you do it all, 
to rest that you truly have our tomorrows, that you have forgiven us, that you lead us. We trust that you do, Lord, in your precious name.